You are listening to Down Home. Imagine working so hard at something that you are considered the best, but you are never given the opportunity to prove it. This is what happened to Sam Langford. Born March 4th, 1886 in Weymouth Falls, Nova Scotia, he is considered by many boxing pundits to be the best boxer never to be given the chance to become a champion in the United States. Langford was a punishing boxer with well-rounded skills, but this skill in the ring was no match for the racism and bigotry of the day. Recently, Jay and I sat down with personal trainer and actor Garfield Watson, who has portrayed Sam Langford in a CBC production. In this wide-ranging conversation, Garfield talks about a few of the parallels he discovered when researching Sam Langford's life. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience by two black men. I'm Derek Wise, and as always, we have Jay Jones. What's happening? And our conversation this week is with Garfield Watson. What's up, Garfield? How you doing, guys? What's happening? Good, man. Thanks for joining us today, man. Um, Thanks for having me. Ah, it's our pleasure. Um, Now, you played uh, Sam Langford in a recent CBC production. Uh, what was that experience like, man? It was um, it was very cool. It um, you know, when you play someone, you have to embody who they are and the characters. And I read up a bit about him and who he was, and it was it was really cool because he was known as the one of the greatest unknown boxers out there. And actually, Jay um, mentioned to me about maybe eight nine years prior that we worked at the same place. And he's like, you ever heard of Sam Langford? I'm like, no, man, I didn't. Really? <laughs> and even when he told me back then, I didn't even research. I'm like, he's like, he was one of the greatest unknown boxers. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So when I actually got the part, um, I researched him. And I'm like, man, this this guy was, he was no joke, you know? So mm. uh, it, was, it was really cool to actually uh, portray a, a real, real bona fide great great boxer so it was it was the experience was awesome awesome now um now in your research you must have delved a tiny bit into his life did you um actually find any type of type of parallels between his life and yours well actually yeah because um his dad was very handsy if you get what i'm saying right Um, one of those dads like you know you know, hit first and talk later kind of a thing like that. Yeah. And growing up, my dad was kind of like that too. So I left home when I was really young. Right. Because my dad was like two hands on with me kind of a thing like that. And, you know, speaking to my dad later on, he told me, you know, how he was raised. Um, and I get it, but still, it doesn't mean that it's right. So no. I had to, you know, do what was right for me, which was to leave the home. So he left home too as well at a young age. And that's when he basically discovered boxing, how I discovered boxing, too, at a young age, uh, walking into a gym. And he was actually, Sam Langford was uh, a janitor at the gym. And uh, the manager there seen him and said, you know, uh, I can do something with this kid. And actually, uh, a 
boxing legend named Clyde Gray. I went to the boxing gym in Regent Park. Um, My my cousin was there and he was like, I was at his house. He's a servant intruder. He's like, "Uh, you want to come down with me to the gym? I'm like, okay, cool. Because either I'd sit at home and just chill or hang on the street while he's boxing. Um, So I went down to the gym with him. And as he was literally um, training, I just started hitting the bags, hitting the bags. And then Clyde Gray came over to me and goes, "Uh, you got fast hands, kid. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks. So we left the gym. A whole bunch of us walking. They're like, what did he say to you? I go, I got fast hands. And they all stopped. They're like, he's never said it to anyone before. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. And then we just continue walking. But yeah, that's how the parallel world. You know, he left home at a young age. And I left home at a young age. And then his trainer seen something to him. And my trainer seen something to me. So it was really kind of cool how, um, you know, it linked up that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Our, our imitating life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a point in my own life where I, I chose I had to choose between boxing and football when I was a young when I was a young man. And my my mother made that choice for me. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but um I the one thing that attracted me to boxing, because I I um oh shoot, Jay, what was the name? Citadel Boxing. Citadel Boxing Club. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Citadel yeah. Boxing Club. So I I um I used to walk by there all the time. And I remember, um, uh, oh, my God, I wish I remembered the head coach, man. Oh, uh, do you remember damn. his name, Jay? No, I forget uh, his name. But he's, 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 uh, he used to train a lot of Olympic boxers. And, and mm-hmm. he saw me walking by. He said, young man, come in. And I remember <laughs> I used to go down there every afternoon and, and train a little bit. And like the the style of training is very unique. It's it's different than any other sport, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, what it takes to get into that kind of state of mind to train for boxing and and to train at a level? Because I I understand you actually uh, entered a, a boxing tournament later on in life and won it too. So what what yeah, does it did. take? What does it take to get into that mindset? It, it takes discipline, mm. and you got You got to be fearless, um, right? And you can't ever go into boxing believing that anybody can beat you. Right. If you get what I'm saying, because then you yeah. all be lost. Right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're overconfident. It means that you have to believe in your ability that whatever opponent you're going to face, you can beat them. Mm-hmm. But the first thing is first, you got to train for it. Because mm-hmm. I remember one time um, when I started to go back into it, um, we're sparring. And this guy that was sparring me, he was like, 175 but he used to be like the amateur lightweight champion so we're sparring all of a sudden boom he hits me with an uppercut and my leg just went yeah i'm like what was that (laughs) and i'm telling you it's like my ego jumped out of my body and goes run man run (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that hit me hard so i was like you know what i have to train so hard because the guys who are going to be hitting me are going to be a lot bigger yeah. And your legs are your foundation, right? Because that's mm-hmm. the first thing to go. So, I mean, I trained and I trained. And my mindset is that if you're going to beat me, it's not because I'm not going to be prepared. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's because yeah. that day, you, you're you just a better man than me, which I can deal with. But if I go in unprepared, then it's it's my fault. So, my mindset is I got to prepare myself to the limit and go beyond. So, if it's sparring for 10 rounds or sparring for 15, if we got to run 10K, I'm running 20K. I want to be over-prepared for it. So, yeah discipline and you have to be courageous fearless but then you just have to put that work in and believe that you know what no matter what happens that you were prepared 
at that time to to, to beat this person or to fight you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's an interesting combination man totally it's a it's a crazy sport too so you got to be ready and that's just like anything in life man you got to be you know life is going to come and hit you right Mm -hmm. but can you take the beating and and get back on up that uh you know when you get knocked down in the eighth round you know that's right yeah now um so what was it like for you growing up in as a young black man in in canada it was like honestly it was crazy because um, <clears throat> I grew up in Toronto first, and then <laughs> my mom was like, "We need a bigger house. We need a bigger house." So like, lands down in in, in uh, Saint Clair first, and then we went to Scarborough. But Scarborough mm-hmm. was cool, mm-hmm. and then where we were in Scarborough, there was like, you know, low income homes at the time, and then across the street, legit was like big homes, right? right. And yeah. we all went to the same school. Yeah, <clears throat> and that time was pretty cool, right? But then my mom decided she wanted a bigger house um, and go to Markham. And legit, when I got to Markham, there was cows across the street from us. Like, that's how crazy it was, bro. Cows. I'm like, Mom, where'd you bring us, man? And I'm like, this is not good. And legit, there was cows out there. And then where we were, literally, um, across the street, we'd be able to go to, like, Millicent and Bayview, which was, like, Black people there. Mm -hmm. Because we were just across the street, we had to go to Markham High. There was only like seven black people there. Mm -hmm. So you can only imagine what was happening back Mm -hmm. then, right? Like it it was really, really bad. Um, And the black guys, we stuck together and we fought a lot, like a lot. So what was it like? I mean, obviously the other kids were coming at you with, uh, you know, racial slurs and different things like that. Oh, for sure. You heard the N-bomb, but then we're like, yeah. This is what this thing we're gonna do. Pop, 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 and then we just fight, right? <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't all of them. It was really some cool, but the ones that that weren't were like very ignorant. And back then too, I don't know what the parents were feeding them, but there were some big farm boys back then, like you know, two fifty, two six, three hundred pounds. There were some big boys back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like a buck forty, wet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you know, you hit this guy, <laughs> you hope you take time to run. Yeah. Um, but then it's like it's just the the conflicts that was there because too some of the teachers were right into it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Some of the teachers were were like, yeah, it's okay. But then you had some of the teachers were totally cool, totally great. Uh, but the ones that weren't, you just know they weren't, and then it just made life there sometimes to live in hell. Yeah. Right. Uh, we had one of the vice principals that he used to be a, a former uh, cop, and he wasn't he wasn't cool. Like he would just chase us around and what are you doing outside, you know? And it was just like harassment at times. Um, and it wasn't fun. But then the, the flip side, it was the ones that were cool, we had a good time with, and it was fun in that time. But it, it wasn't really, um, it wasn't a happy medium there. It was either left or right. Nothing you know in saying? between. No, Nothing yeah. No, no. And some of the so, cops, they were bad too. Like they yeah, were really mm. bad, right? It's, it's, it's Markham. Legit. Like I said, there's like seven of us in one school, mm. a school of like a thousand. Yeah. It's not a whole lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and always having a target on your back, you know? Jeez. For sure, for That's sure. That's crazy. Sure. So do you think that, and it's almost like it's, you know, being at home, you were kind of reliving that kind of cycle of abuse, but this time racial. Did that lead to you sort of maybe getting more of an interest in boxing or sports? Uh, was it was that uh, a way to escape? What made you get into to all that? Um, it was really, really crazy because, you know, when I was, 
at home and whatnot, it was more of a fear of my parents. You know what I'm saying? And then mm-hmm. school, it was a fear of my parents. I mean, for, for parents too, because you you come home and like you got suspended, and then they didn't want to kill you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, fear of the teachers and, and and some of the students there. But then I got into boxing to basically defend myself, mm-hmm. right? And to be like, okay, y'all want to fight? Let's let's roll, kind of a thing like that. But I realized the more I boxed, the less fought, fighting I did. Yeah. So I, I had this confidence where I didn't need to prove myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was I didn't need to be like, yeah, you want to roll it? Let's let's go. It was kind of like you know, just leave me alone. You do your thing. I can do my thing. And I honestly got into less fights because I had nothing to prove because I knew that who I was. Um, and it was really one of the, the weirdest thing was that like my dad had this silverback gorilla mentality. Don't look into my eyes, kind of a thing like that. Yeah. And for the longest time, especially because adult men, I didn't want to look into their eyes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it was mm-hmm. a fear. Um, but when I started boxing, I was able to keep my head up more, kind of a thing like that, and was able to look eye to eye and and, and be like, you know, I'm a man too, kind of a thing like that. So mm-hmm. it really helped me become a man um, and to drop the fear of, of you know, what are people going to say, what my dad going to say, what are other people going to say too as well. So it was really good for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it's really cool because sports is that that way. Like, I mean, we grew up playing basketball and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I didn't box, but it was always a good place to put something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you do kind of from playing it all the time or uh, or whatever. It always gave you that discipline and that that time and that mind state to be able to put things in different compartments and, you know, use whatever something that you might be going through if you're getting harassed or you know physically mm-hmm. abused you could put it into that and learn from your own self you know I, that's yeah. the way i always look at sports yeah definitely it's it's yeah. uh i have to agree with garfield man like it um you know you 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 know whether it's a team sport or individual sport it uh if if you're in there you're training it, it kind of like gee, you know i'm kind of good at this it kind of mm-hmm. brings you a, a certain ingrown um like confidence Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you're able to hold hold your head up high, whether you're walking down the halls of your high school or walking the street, you know, you've got that that ingrained confidence, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Garfield, any anything else you want to add before we we wrap up, man? Um actually it was, it was I was reading up on Sam Lafford and you know, um this guy went through a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then the era that he was he was in. Um, it was hard for him, mm. you know, and you got to think too, like he was a five, seven man, mm. um, fighting guys that were six, two, yeah. he had, he had long arms, right? Someone is actually six, two, a body of someone six, two, that's the, the long of the, the reach he had. Yeah. Um, but he started 135 pounds. He was fighting guys who were 40 pounds bigger than him. Yeah. And, you know, I looked at his life and I'm like, what discipline and perseverance this man had. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, no matter how big the competition was, he was ready to stand up and say, Let, let's do this. And it goes with life. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? No, no matter how big the obstacle seems to be in your life, you got to stand up and say, like, I can do this. And, then I, and I got to fight this because the, the other alternative is you give up and you die. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's true. It's true. So, so, so you have to have hope to believe that no matter what, no matter what obstacles are going to come your way, that you have the ability to get through it and not allow, allow it to conquer you. 
Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So true. It's like now as you get older, uh, you know, you always have to fight, but now as you're older, you keep up that good fight rather than, you know, I know for me when I was younger, I, I was a little bit angry. I had a period of severe anger issues and, um, you know, probably in my late teens to early twenties. And, um, you know, it was, I really found it hard to, to keep my anger under control. It came out in a lot of different ways, mainly picking fights. And luckily, you know, I, I, you know, not a lot of people would know me as that Jay Jones, that's for sure. But uh, Derek knows some of it, but um, you know, as you get older, you just want to do it in a different way to, to, to fight in the best way possible without everything that comes with it. Because if you think about guys like Sam Langford, man, not only, you know, was he, good at something but he couldn't excel at it because he was a black man and if you make that parallel in today's life we kind of always have that target on our back just like you experienced and just like Derek has experienced at some particular time in life we sort of have to fight the good fight always you know so mm. yeah yeah you know uh, uh, right Derek sorry. no go go ahead um, one thing that we, we do have to realize is that because of guys like Sam Lanford, they opened up doors for us. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that we got to take advantage of those doors too, because a lot of the times it's us that's holding ourselves back because mm. of lack of discipline. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We got a good idea. Uh, we have the ability to, but we don't discipline ourselves enough to actually follow through and be resilient when the doors don't open the way that we want it to open, that we say, you know what, this is still my dream. This is still a goal that I have. I have to push through. And a lot of times we believe that because the door is shut, um, that we're not supposed to go through. All right. Sometimes you got to knock. How many times you gone to somebody's house and you know they're there and you knock it and you got to knock 10, 15 times before that person comes and opens that door. Mm. Right. It doesn't mean that that person on the other side doesn't want to see you or mm. you weren't supposed to go into that house. It just means that you got to keep knocking and be like, boy, I know you in there. Come downstairs and answer the dang door. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I can agree with that, man. It's um, it, it kind of rings true. And like often we have to be, in order to have the same opportunities as others, we have to be the best person in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and like you said, that takes discipline, though, mm-hmm. yeah. to be the best person in the room, to get the same opportunities, right, mm-hmm. for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to be that. So yeah. definitely, I agree. I agree. Yeah. can yeah. sometimes be a lot of pressure, though, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, uh, a, lot of, a lot of brothers uh, sink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard, right? It's hard yeah. to... Um, to to look and say okay in order for me to be there i have to put this amount of effort in exactly yeah exactly Derek. exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. so it's hard it's hard to do that right and and oftentimes i find myself i'm like you know i just don't feel like it today man (laughs) you know i I don't really i don't really want to correct that person today so i'm not going to (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, like stuff like that right yeah Yeah. like it 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 is tough it is tough you kind of let it gotta let it go yeah yeah all right right, garfield this is uh this has been an awesome conversation man uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh thank you for having me man oh it's been it's been a great conversation man jay jones take us out man yeah, man, it, it's funny how, you know, life can sometimes imitate art. And, you know, even out of the, the bad times that we go through in life, something good can come from it. And you can, you know, find yourself within your struggles. And, uh, and then, you know, 
through through your struggles you progress and uh as long as you sort of keep living that way um that's a good way to live and from what i know about you garfield you've always lived that way so uh it's good to see you still standing and ready for another round you know what i'm saying yes sir thank <laughs> so, you thanks a lot for coming on man thank you thanks derek and you guys have yourself a blessed day bro all right man. all right garfield peace okay. and love peace You have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. In 1917, Langford lost sight in his left eye during a bout. Despite this, he continued to box for another eight years. Some sports historians believe that he stayed in the ring because it was all that he knew. There are others that believe it was because he needed the money. Although Langford won acclaim with heavyweight titles in Canada, Mexico, England, and Australia, he was never able to reach that height in the United States. This was due to what was called the color barrier in boxing at the time. Similar to George Dixon, another Canadian boxing legend, Sam Langford's retirement was spent in poverty. This is despite fighting in well over 300 professional bouts during his career. But like Dixon, Langford made money for everyone around him, very little of it landing in his own hands. Journalist Al Lumley found Langford in 1944 living in the projects of Harlem, completely blind. After Lumley's article was published, fans of Langford reached out to him, setting up a trust fund that helped pay for eye surgery and provide him with a small amount of money to live off of. Langford would pass away 12 years later in 1956 just after he was recognized in the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. The song, Breaking New Ground, from The Breakdown.